So our scripture reading today from John chapter 1 is often called the prologue, which simply means the introduction to the rest of John's gospel. And if you know the gospels at all, you know John's version, it's the fourth of four gospels. It's a little different. It sounds different than the other three. The other three often kind of follow the same chronology and they tell the same stories a little bit differently, but it's, it's a very similar pattern. But John, it, it's as if, and, and this is the case, he took a little extra time to reflect on the events that transpired. So, so in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's a lot of who and what and when and where and how, but John kind of majors on the why. Why did God do these things that we read about in the other Gospels? And so the beginning of his gospel sounds very different. It sounds like the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. The Word was with God. All things were created through him instead of the genealogy and the birth narrative and all that we've heard uh, over the last few days and weeks. Uh, so what I want to look at with you today uh, is just in this, these first 18 verses or so of John's gospel his explanation of why God did these things. You'll know John famously explained why. In 316, uh, God sent his only begotten son into the world because he so loved the world, right? Well, John 1 does something similar. So I want to jump right in to verse 14 and talk about the incarnation, just this phrase, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. First, the, the became flesh part, we talked about this a little bit last night at the Christmas Eve service, that Jesus is God with us, God with humanity on, with, with skin and flesh on, God living among us. And that's, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell that same story. Jesus was born in a manger. He was born of the woman Mary. Um, and, and we read all the logistics, but John starts to interpret that for us. Why is it significant that God entered the world as a human being and lived among us. And that, that word becoming flesh um, really is, is John in two words telling the whole story of what we you know, took a little over an hour to tell last night about the angel message and Mary becoming pregnant and the, the journey to Jerusalem and giving birth and the manger and all that. John simply says about all that, the word became flesh. Uh, but his explanation of all that story is so significant because it's, again, God come to live with us. And I don't want you to miss the, the impact, the significance of that. Uh, and you know, so often at Christmas, and, and we should, tell the story with all the, the shepherds and the angels. It's, it's, it's vivid and something that children and adults can latch on to. Uh, but it's always important to ask why. Did all this happen? Why is it important to us? And John names that by saying God has put on flesh. God hasn't remained remote, um, a non-corporeal entity, but God has been with us in Christ. And, and the second half of this is equally important. It's not like God just did a flyby, but God in Christ put on human flesh and dwelt, lived among us. But Eugene Peterson in the message wonderfully says, moved into the neighborhood, right? He spent a lifetime, he grew up in Nazareth and then the three years of traveling in and around Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to rub shoulders, to break bread, uh, to go fishing, and to do some uh, more unusual things among us. But the word dwelt among us. And in that little phrase, John captures the chapters and chapters 
that Matthew, Mark, and Luke spend describing his traveling ministry and his healing and his teaching and his, his living, what that looked like. But this one verse, John captures it all and says, uh, the word became flesh and lived among us, dwelt among us. That is the incarnation. That's what it means for God to put human flesh, humanity on, is to come be with us. And then I want to highlight two things that Jesus did, that God did in Christ through the incarnation. The first is revelation. The rest of verse 14 and then verse 17 that we inadvertently skipped over. Verse 14, the second half says, God with flesh on, we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Because Jesus was God among us, we got to see the glory of God. And then verse 17, grace and truth were realized through Jesus. We got to see these qualities of God, this grace and glory and truth. We got to see God among us. The Old Testament tells us we couldn't bear it if we actually saw God's glory and God's face. But by becoming human, we were able to see God. And so that reveals something of what God is like. Human beings, we're told in Genesis, are made in God's image. Jesus is the image of God. He is God, God's face among us. I wanted to try to illustrate that. And of all things, trying to illustrate God's image and glory, an illustration has to fall flat. So just know that there's limitations with this. But of... My children have had people say, you know, this one or that reminds us of Heather, reminds us of you, or some combination of the two. I'll go beyond that to say I've had the privilege here uh, as pastor of being the pastor to a whole bunch of adults and to their children. And I, I can't begin to tell you how many times I will see one of the Catawba girls or Mira or Lucas Pierce or um, you know, one of the, the Kinkins or Butlers have a facial expression or say something or gesture in a certain way. And, and because I've spent so much time with the children and the parents, it's just like there's, there's Matt Butler in a smaller form, you know, gesturing. Or Melissa Catabaugh, you know, her daughters laugh the same way that she does. And, and they, in a very real sense, bear the image of their parents, uh, even as some of my kids do for Heather and me. They bear our image, and yet they are their own distinct persons. And again, that's not going to satisfy all the theological categories. But in a very real sense, Jesus bore the image because he, he was begotten of the Father. So when you saw him, you saw the Father. You see the Father. In the same way that you, you wouldn't know everything about me if you had a conversation, say, with Elizabeth. But you, you would glimpse what I'm like in a very real sense, or you know, any of the children of our church. You, you see their, their parents, sometimes even their grandparents, which is a very interesting thing to watch. But Jesus was the very image of God walking among us. Can you, can you imagine that, to, to get to glimpse God, the Father, the creator of everything in the flesh, and to see in the way that Jesus would speak uh, or act something of what God the Father was like. So John says of this image, uh, this one who, who was the image of God, he was full of grace and truth. Those are two qualities of God that, you know, other than reading words about God, we couldn't have wrapped our minds around. But with Jesus among us, we got to experience a little bit of that grace and truth. Uh, some simple definitions. 
Grace is God coming to us in the flesh. Right? There's a lot, of, a lot more you could say about grace, but grace is God coming to us in Christ. It's his gift to us. And truth is God's light spoken to us in ways we can understand and believe. You know, Jesus took that word that was ineffable. There's a good theology word. You know, we just can't understand it. The, the word that was present at creation that was God, is God, and came among us to show us the qualities of God, the character of God, the very being of God in ways that we could partially understand. Well, that's the revelation part. God, he, Jesus reveals God to us, but he goes beyond that. It's more than just getting to glimpse something of what God is like. In verse 18, we read that Jesus also explains God to us. Not fully, because that, you know, our minds would be blown, but he explains to us something of what God is like. And it says that in verse 18, Jesus has explained God. He doesn't tell us everything we could know, but he tells us everything we need to know. In other words, his explanation is not complete, but it is sufficient for us to be saved, for us to know God, for us to have eternal life, for us to be at peace with God. And so in his teaching and in his actions, in his miracles, in his behavior, in his relationships, in his death, in his resurrection, Jesus explains to us who God is and why God has come to us. And again, famously, John explains that in the most simplest terms, it's because God loves us. There is a reason we choose the Gospel of John for our confirmation class, because it not only tells these stories of what Jesus does, but it explains them. I would commend that to you if you're looking for something fresh to do in the new year, to read back through John, because as John tells these stories of Jesus interacting with people and healing and talking about the kingdom, he also frames it in this, this why explanation of God come among us because of love in order to reveal and explain the Father. And all those stories in John, they're framed in that way so we can understand them. I want to end with this, and we're going to back up to John 12, which says this, To as many as received Jesus, God gives the right to become his children to those who believe in his name. It reminds me a bit of what we do on Christmas when we give a gift to someone. There's that little card or sticker we put on there that says to and from and you fill it out. In a very real sense this this verse says it's to those who have received Jesus God calls you children. So it's this this gift this message about Christ this gospel is to my children from God your heavenly father and the gift is that right to be his children to be saved not only from death to life but invited into adopted into the family of God. So I, I wanted to frame all of this as, as a present this morning, an invitation to realize that God, out of love, has sent his son as a gift into the world, as a gift to you, to invite you to receive him and to believe him. Uh, and that's, a, that's an invitation Jesus continued to give in his ministry, as you know, as he invited people to come, believe, and follow him. So I hope you have a blessed Christmas. Thank you for spending your Christmas morning with us or watching, and I hope God will bless you in the coming new year.